this week on the Roommates Podcast. Because of social media and dating apps, we've looked at, we, we haven't really looked at relationships anymore. We've looked at sex. Mm. It's become superficial and more recreational. Like people plan for it. You know, they're like, I'm going to take you to dinner. Or I'm going to wine and dine you three times. And on the third time, I'm going to have sex with you. Mm. That's kind of the standard right wow. now. And people talk about it all the time. But whenever you put something sacred like sex into the realm of a Saturday night recreation or a weeknight, you know, like fun time, you destroy some of some of the as the emotional aspects of it. And good sex is emotional. Yo, what's good, America? It's your boy, Hafiz. And, and, and welcome to the Roommates Podcast, a late night conversation, taking you, the listener. What up, everybody? Behind the scenes of Becoming, featuring all the interesting people, perspectives, and conversations you'd experience on the way. Also, uh, known as the best hour of your week, where you are entertained like a stand-up, educated like a TED Talk, and enlightened like a sermon. And remember, my beautiful, amazing Roommates. Remember, guys, the podcast is also available on YouTube as youtube.com slash the roommates podcast. The podcast is available on YouTube. That is youtube.com slash the roommates podcast. And uh, if you're watching it on YouTube or watching it any type of visual medium and you want to go ahead and put some headphones in, head to work, go shopping, clean up the house, our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Stitcher Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, our podcast is available there. And before we get started, I have a really, 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 really important thing I want to say to the roommate family. Guys, thank you so much for reaching out to people when they come on the show. We've been talking about it for so long. It's been, it's something that we really, really value, something that we really, really concern ourselves with is when people come on our show that they feel appreciated, that they feel valued, that they feel encouraged. And so we always ask you guys, when somebody comes on the show, please reach out to them. That's a gift that we want to give to them because people feel good. They feel encouraged. They feel uplifted when they know that, hey, I'm coming on a show where, I, where people actually care about me. So guys, thank you so much for reaching out to all the people, whether that was Charlemagne, whether that was Jonathan Martin, whether that was Francis, all the people who come on the show recently, guys, thank you guys so much. Remember, guys, it's so important for you guys to reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out to these people who come on our show. And the last thing I would like to say is one of the things we're building here in the Roommates is a family, a family of people who are connected, committed to uplifting, serving, loving, caring for one another. And man, I really encourage you guys, man, connect with one another. A lot of dope, amazing people who are in the comments, who are following the podcast, man, you guys need to connect, continuously build this community of people who are kind to everybody, regardless of their status, a community of people who may not agree with everything everybody believes in, but gives each person the human dignity that they deserve. So guys, please continue to connect with people. You know, we're here to connect. We love, love, love you guys. We love connecting. We love talking with you guys. That's what we're here for. Thank you guys so much for all the great support that you've given us. And we look forward to continuously loving, serving, pouring into you guys and radically transforming your lives with amazing content. And uh, this week, I am extremely, extremely excited because we have one of the all-time favorite roommates of all time, all time, all time, all time, the lovely and talented Mary Jo Rapini 
Mary Jo, welcome back. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to vote for you for president. Oh, really? My yeah. gosh. Your, your whole, everything you said yeah. about community yeah. and the importance of opening the discussion, the depth. You know, I think a lot of people are, are asking themselves, are we just in a different world? Is this world gone mad? I mean, does anybody care anymore? And people are saying bad things about the youth. And I just have to remind myself as well as all of you, listen, that depth that you were born with, that spiritual part is still very much intact in each and every one of us. It's just that we're all looking for a place as an outlet to express it. And what a wonderful platform you've created where we can do that and reach one another and actually talk, you mm -hmm. know, without, and it's free. I mean, all you yeah. have to do is subscribe and get on. Yeah. No, that's that's really important for me, Mary Jo, because one of the biggest things that I've noticed is there's so many people hurting today. Oh. There's so many people who's dealing with abuse, whether that's emotional, physical abuse in their past, in their present, and unfortunately, tomorrow in their future. And there's so many people who are lonely and isolated. The social media world has created a facade of togetherness and connection in which a lot of people may have thousands of followers on these platforms, but in reality, they're all alone. They have no, they have no friends. And I really, really, really want the people out there, whether you're a male, whether you're a female, whether you're religious or non-religious, no matter what your background, no matter what your ethnicity is, I want you to feel as though the roommate is a place where I can actually connect with real human beings. Because I just feel like just this, the celebrity culture and all these other things are just destroying us. And I want people to connect with people and value each other. I, I really like that. And I understate it because I'm, I'm telling you the truth. The more followers somebody has, usually the lonelier they are. And what happens is they set a precedent for themselves. If you have 10,000 followers, then all of a sudden you become more concerned with how you look what you what you carry, what you drive, and at the end of the day, you are totally a shell of the person you used to be, mm. and that is that leads to mental wellness. I mean, not mental wellness, mental illness. Mm. To be well, you have to connect on an emotional level. Yeah. It's in our DNA. It's wired into us. That's amazing, and I'm really glad that you're back because it's always great to have you back on the show. This obviously this is your third time, and each time I feel like something big and something amazing happens. And you're talking about this, uh, I believe it was yesterday, when I told you, I'm not sure if you noticed or not, but um, a couple of, actually last month, one of your clips about women, women cheating more than men went crazy viral. I've seen multiple places where it had a million views or 200,000 mm -hmm. views or 300,000 views. And it was, and there was a I didn't go through the comments because there were thousands of comments and they're right. saying all kinds of crazy stuff. But it really, really resonated with the ecosystem, those comments you made. Well, and I think what happens is many times people read these surveys in Cosmo, in different magazines, Women's Health. And the thing is, I'm, I'm one of the experts that they call to weigh in on <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, so yeah. I know what they're saying. People fill out forms, you know, have you done this? Have you done this? Men will talk more about cheating. Women usually keep it to themselves. It's more taboo. But in my private practice and among other therapists, we know that as many women, perhaps more, who knows the exact number of men or women who cheat, but they cheat. It's a human thing. It's a choice people make. Women have more to lose when they choose that. When men choose to cheat, they usually still love their wife very much, 56% of the time. 
When women cheat, that is not true. They are usually checked out of their marriage. And that's what makes it so vital to be able to open that discussion to women before they make that choice, because when they make that choice, there's very little chance they will go back. Whereas if men choose to cheat, it's never a wise choice, but usually they can still work on their marriage and make it better and somehow rectify it. Mm, that's, that's a really interesting point. So from your personal practice as well as your own research, what are the reasons why you've, you've learned that women cheat? Like, what are some of the reasons like, behind that? Well, you know, there's always this thing men will say many times. We know it's not biological. I mean, the reason guys cheat is we're biologically programmed to spread our seed, right? <laughs> well, the truth is That's biologically, <laughs> both men and women are created to cheat. Mm. I mean, it's in our DNA. I mean, not to cheat but to spread our seeds. We look for that and that's what people do. But you make a conscious choice when you get married, you make a vow and that's an honorable thing. And that's where the problem lies. Once you make that vow, you it's not that you can't cheat, it's that you choose to stay faithful and committed. Mm. And so I look at it as, you know, basically I'm really into helping relationships grow and be healthy. Cheating is one of the choices that really breaks apart a whole family. I work with it a lot. Mm. So what you're saying is that there's um, a natural tendency in, with men and women to simply just want to reproduce, like any organism. Biologically, yeah. we're programmed that way. Yeah. And m men have no more of an excuse than women do. Okay. Men do secrete testosterone, which is more aggressive. It's more focused. And men focus more on sex, but women are as in need to have sex and be loved as men are. Mm. So all of the things we hear, contrary to that, are myths. Yeah. And I, I once heard somebody said, I believe it was Charlemagne the God, he made a point and he said, men cheat for ego and women cheat for emo in regards to like men are usually cheating because there's some type of insecurity that he's dealing with that he wants to prove himself and you know validate himself using yes. women and then women usually if they're not feeling emotional support from their partner they go ahead and they they go lead to infidelity do you have you seen that as well in your practice I've seen that but I've seen other things too for example men when they're stressed out unless they're really stressed one way men relieve themselves when they're stressed is they have sex mm -hmm. when women are stressed our sex shuts off. Mm. Women need to be relaxed and feel like they can escape. Mm, so if they have a partner, think about it, and they're with their kids all day or they're working, they're the only one responsible. They come home and he's like, he had a bad week or he's tired. He's like, ah, oh, come here. I want to have, you know, he starts treating <laughs> yeah. her all nice. Yeah. You can see how she starts distancing herself and just feeling like, this guy only wants me for one thing. Mm. And women begin feeling... Uh, misused, worthless. And so women are looking for someone who understands that and will connect with them on a real emotional level. That's a really great point. And I feel like it also leads into what we're going to talk about today is that there's this totally different biological wiring when it comes to human sexuality between the male and female gender that if you don't fully understand that, it leads to frustration and discontentment. Like you pointed out, if men are using sex as a relaxation, you know, yes. to relieve, relieve stress, 
after a very stressful day, they're going to want to engage in sex. But if a woman needs comfort and and peace of mind to engage with sex, if she had a really rough day, maybe whether that's at work or dealing with the kids, she's not going to want to do it. And that that creates this whole anger and tension because the man's like, why won't you want to do it? And the woman's like, why won't you understand why I don't want to do it? Right, and then he ends up feeling rejected Mm. and she ends up feeling unheard. Mm. You know, I've told many couples, if you really want to have a fantastic date night, get the babysitter an hour before you're going to go out Mm. so that mom can go in become pretty. Women need to put their sexy on. They don't go from holding a baby (laughs) to their man coming home saying, let's go out for dinner (laughs) and them being like, oh, I love you. I love you. I'm so excited. Doesn't work like that. And because women need to feel like they're protected, that they can escape. If a guy wants to turn his wife on, he should actually plan the babysitter Tell her to pack, that he's taking her out. He's got control over everything. All she has to do is pack an overnight suitcase. <laughs> She'll get so excited. Where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah, Just yeah. pack it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. Come, he comes home from work. He's got the babysitter. She has time to get her, you know, to get ready. They take off. He's in full control. Now she can let go mm. because he's got things under control. Yeah. It's usually not that way. He comes home. He's looking for his shirt that he <laughs> wants to wear to go out. He wants to have sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids are screaming. <laughs> She's had no time. She went from work to taking care of the kids. Yeah. You can see how it just it implodes. Yeah. And it's I mean, that's never going to work. Those marriages are not nurturing the, mm. the real emotion underneath. That's funny. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it that, is. That reminds fine. me of like every every scene in the sitcom. Yeah. And, uh, but but so what's really interesting about this discussion? I'm really excited about bringing you on today. Is something that I realized is that when it comes to sex, it's something that everybody's talking about, but nobody actually really understands the realities of it, the implications of it, the social, emotional, physical, and all these different things, components in regard to it. Because a lot of times you learn sex from one or two things. You learned it from, well, actually three things. I would say one is media, television, Mm -hmm. which we know is absolute fictional. And I think you can also add, you know, pornography into that media, which is another realm of fiction that we can dive into later. Or you learn it from your peers or your, you know, and they tell you all types of exaggerated stories and, you know, (laughs) myths and all types of of things that are just totally untrue. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is you learn from your own personal experience. But for in my opinion, from my studies and from the conversations that I've had, for a lot of people, it's extremely negative. And a lot of people, it's extremely frustrating, confusing, and it's really unhealthy. And I really feel as though it's just so important because when you think about it, when do you sit down and have this real conversation about mm-hmm. understanding this dynamic? Well, if you had it in high school, you were what, not freshman year, 13, 14 years old, your brain wasn't fully developed. You didn't understand these things. And by the time you get to an adult, you, you, you feel as though, oh, I don't, I'm not going to sit and take a class or I'm not going right. to sit and listen to a lecture or read a book. And so I feel like there's so many uneducated people who are, who in my opinion are extremely hurting in regards to this area and this conversation is really needed to be had. Yes. 
I think what happens a lot of times is we, because of social media and dating apps, we've looked at, we, we haven't really looked at relationships anymore. We've looked at sex. Mm. It's become superficial and more recreational. Like people plan for it. You know, they're like, I'm going to take you to dinner. I'm going to wine and dine you three times. And on the third time, I'm going to have sex with you. Mm. That's kind of the standard right wow. now. And people talk about it all the time. But whenever you put something sacred like sex into the realm of a Saturday night recreation or a weeknight, you know, like fun time, you destroy some of some of the as the emotional aspects of it. And good sex is emotional. And when you have it recreational, you forget that the person you're lying with may not feel that way about sex. And so you may end up feeling, man, that felt so good or that felt so right or whatever. I had a good time. But do you know what that person felt? Will that person be honest with you? Are you guys close enough that you're actually able to talk about your sex life and what it meant for you and what it means for you going forward? Because I can tell you for most women, sex is different going forward. It's never the same after having sex with someone. And I think a lot of times, the men I've talked to, that isn't true. Mm. I think it, it may deepen their relationship a little bit on the guy's point of view, but not always. Mm. So that's the interesting thing. And, I, and I've thought about that. It seems as though when a woman, and obviously we're doing generalizations here, yeah, there's obviously right. exceptions to the rule, please God, don't yeah. say, I'm different. We know right. you're different. Yeah, well, everybody's talking, different. We know. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're breaking every <laughs> yeah. standard. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, but one of the things that I've, I've seen is that usually when a woman engages with sex with a man, it it, it brings them closer. Right. Usually it brings them closer. Mm -hmm. And for usually for a man, what I've seen is that it, not saying it distances himself, but when it's recreational, it definitely creates even more of a chasm that I've already gotten what I've needed from you or what I wanted from you, and now I don't need you anymore. So it seems as though that there's, there's this little weird dance that's going on in which one person is taking a step forward, another person is taking a step backwards. That's right. And, you know, we're into Halloween now, mm -hmm. and I, I've gotten so many. I don't know if it's because of the moon or Halloween <laughs> or what it is, yeah. but I've gotten so many um, comments from different listeners who are talking about being ghosted. Mm -hmm. And many of the times, the reason they were ghosted is they went too fast, too soon. But they, re they reject that. And they get somewhat defensive when I mention that. And they sh and for good reason, because we have people out there who these who people are looking at as their mentors, their celebrities who have sex on the first date and don't think anything of it. Or they compare themselves to other friends who are having recreational sex and they say, why shouldn't I? They've got this idea that recreational sex is fun, mm. that that's what sex is. But sex is powerful. I'm a sex therapist. I'm very, very careful about ever prescribing sex for anyone mm. or how you should go about that. It's different. Mm. No, that's a, that's a really, really powerful statement. And that's just something that when we, you and I were talking yesterday, what I've seen is that historically speaking, sex has always been a bit of a, a glue, a sacred glue that's meant to bond. It should. That, that, the best yeah, sex yeah. should. That's, yeah, it's meant to bond 
two partners. Yes. But then what I'm seeing is that when it becomes recreational, like it, the sex begins to lose the, its stickiness, yes. right? It begins. So now you're trying to shut off, right? You're trying to shut off from connecting with somebody. The very thing you're doing, which is meant to connect to it, to the person beside you, you're now trying to not catch feelings or not try to connect. So eventually sex loses its meaning value, you know, and which moving forward, if you do get into a marriage, you're unable to connect now because you've kind of wasted what it was meant to be. Exactly. Sex, when it becomes recreational, is like anything else that is recreational. You begin performing. Mm -hmm. You begin trying to increase your PR in sex. (laughs) That means, you know, honestly, (laughs) that's what you do. I mean, I'm a runner. I'm a competitive (laughs) runner. It's recreational, too. Let me tell you, every time I run... There's a, I'm always thinking of the next time. Mm. And that's what happens with sex, except with sex, because testosterone needs variety. They, men don't think, wow, I'm going to change a different room, or I'm going to get, I love this woman so much. I'm going to keep thinking of ways we can do new things so that we won't ever get sick of each other. No, it's so much easier to just replace them. Mm. And women do it too, but women aren't like that with, with sex usually because it's got a deeper meaning yeah. unless they have a sex addiction, yeah. which is rarer in yeah. women. And that point about the emotional aspect of sex is more felt by women. And what I've noticed is that usually men, as they mature and they get older, they're more in tune with their emotional side. They're more in tune with their feelings. Usually women do that at a very, are able to do that at a very young age. And so what, I be, what, I begin, what I've seen is that for a lot of these women, they feel as though they're not good enough or there's something wrong with them because they can't do what the men do. And, they, and, and then this unhealthy masculine standard becomes this standard for everybody. And if you can't not have feelings, there's something wrong. But in reality, I would argue that the, the, the men who are unable to connect, uh, you use it like, you know, on to the next one. They're the ones who are who there's something off with. And they should be trying to be more like you. But I feel like people have that backwards. They have it backwards because for some reason, women have equated equal rights with equal sexuality. Mm. And it has become a big issue because women are not wired. Estrogen does not do the same thing for women as testosterone does for men. Explain that. Women's power is in our ability to network. Women who lose a partner are much stronger and do much better with coping skills than the men do because men don't have coping skills. Men replace people Mm. with other people. Men take risks, unhealthy risks. If a woman is broken up with or someone, you know, dies, if her partner dies, she will be surrounded by other people. There's a network for her where people will take her out, calm her down, emotionally connect. Men don't have that. Men rely on women or a partner to do that for them. Hmm. And so if they use that partner or many partners, they never get the depth they need. Men will eventually end up feeling very alone because even though they are physical, they need the emotional just like women do. I see more men in my practice than women, not one of them tells me how much sex they need. And I'm a sex therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tell me they need the the 
an intimate connection. Yeah, and that and that point was really really powerful because one thing that I've I've noticed is that unfortunately in the social media society that there's not a lot of honesty when it comes to these, these things. And there's a lot of men who are lonely, who may be having all the sex in the world and they're feeling empty inside, but they're not having that conversation because of this false view of masculinity that that's, you're supposed to like that. You're just supposed to be cool. Like, oh yeah, I'm just, I have no feelings. I can just have sex with all these girls. I'm cool. But in reality, they're lonely and they're hurting and people don't see that. So a lot of these young boys who are growing up are looking at these men who are engaged in all types of behavior. They're like, yo, I want to be like him, not knowing that that guy is hurting and then a lot of the women are like like you say they think of you know equality is similar to like um what equality is being like a man that's not equality you know right. equality is, is having equal rights and and equal pay for yeah. equal jobs yeah. done yeah but but if you're going to ask for equality then yeah. ask for the power of femininity yeah. to sustain you being feminine and and promoting our femininity in all areas is going to make the world better. That doesn't mean we need to have sex recreational or with as many partners as we want to. If women want to do that, that's up to them. It's yeah. not healthy, yeah. but it's still up to them. But it shows nothing about being equal yeah. in that. It's a decision of whether or not it's mentally healthy. And having sex with numerous partners we know is not mentally healthy. People who do that have usually been abused or they're looking for something to fill them. Just like an overeater, it's the same type of addiction. It's the same compulsion driving it. So what is some of the pushback that you've gotten in regards to that idea? Because I, I can imagine there's somebody right now like, yo, that's not true. I disagree. You know, I'm happy. I'm doing like, like, what is some of the pushback you've gotten to the idea, idea, I'm sorry, to the idea that recreational sex is really unhealthy? Well, I mean, the pushback I get usually is it sounds, I think people get it confused with religiosity or with what their faith is. And it has very little to do with that, although you could use your fa your faith as a moral reason that you don't want to do that. That is not what I'm prescribing. I, if you have a moral faith, if you have a faith and you like to follow that, you have a high value on it, and it tells you not to stay, to stay committed or something healthy, I would use that mm -hmm. if I could. But yeah. what I'm saying mostly is that when you make sex recreational, rather than keeping it sacred, you take the most potent part of a sexual relationship away from it. Yeah. And that's and that's fascinating because like when it comes to like protection, like so like with safe sex, when it comes to protection, we understand the the physical risk of recreational sex. And so what then is given the people to prevent the physical risk of recreational sex is, you know, condoms, you know, contraception, stuff like that, to prevent the natural, like, in the natural state of engaging, these are the physical risks you're going to take place. So you have to supplement the, the, um, um, the risk with these items. But what's really interesting is that there's also spiritual and emotional risk that no one's really talking about. Right. And, um, and this is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, you know, Hafiz, I, this is what I keep looking at. If we really wanted to change the dynamics of teaching young people um, healthy sex, we would build more community centers where kids could get together and talk, 
we wouldn't we wouldn't shut them out of our homes or make them sneak away to have sex. There's a societal idea that young people have to have sex and they're going to have sex with as many people as they can want. Yeah. That's that's not that's not that is so provincial. Mm. What is wise is to create centers or open your home to teenagers, to your teenager and others so they can you can sit around and talk, mm. explore ideas because we know what keeps kids healthy, what helps them choose healthy partners, have a healthy sex life have healthy work relationships is their ability to relate to each other. Yeah. And you don't need to have sex to be intimate or relate with someone else. Yeah. You need to learn how to listen. You need to learn how to discuss things that are hard. Yeah. And that's what makes human beings such awesome human beings. Yeah. It's exploring that part. Yeah. And that's a part that I believe is just so lost. It's just so lost in movies. It's so lost in music. It's so lost in romance novels. It's so lost in all these different fields. And especially just like it's just being honest, like growing up as a young adult, like that part of really connecting with real human beings is a loss because that's what so many people yearn for. Like yeah. I don't like it's just so remarkable the amount of people because I used to play college football and you know the the, the stigma of football players oh and all that God. stuff. So I was in college, so I, I knew what it yeah. I, I was there, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you I was got to live the dream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it but I really, really saw some really hurting people. Mm -hmm. And I saw people who had an inability to connect. And it's just really interesting that when I when I was younger, I used to ask a lot of questions that I'm beginning to see as I get older manifest itself. And so for example is a lot of my friends, I was wondering, I said, yo, I wonder how much, how long can they keep this up, right? I wonder how much can this affect them? And what I've seen is that for a lot of people, because at such a young age, they were unable to create these healthy relationships. What has went on is as they gotten older, that skill doesn't, didn't magically just come about. They still struggle. Mm -hmm. So they're now in their late 20s, early 30s, still struggling with connecting with other people because of the bad habits that they created when they were younger. It, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. Hormones are real. And when, when you have hormones, it makes you do crazy stuff yeah. sexually and acting out and everything else. But that doesn't mean that has to continue. I mean, when you're a kid, if you have good mentoring, if you have people, parents especially, who will listen to you no matter if you're a guy or a girl, it makes a big difference and you learn how to cope with what you're feeling. I think this world has just gotten so, um, where everybody wants to be famous and everybody wants to get laid. It's just, <laughs> it's just gotten so incredible yeah. that people feel if they go out on a date that there has to be sex involved with it or if they have a relationship and the, and the guy hasn't wanted to have sex yet, he's either gay or there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And I don't know how we got to that. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong if he just wants to take his time? Yeah. Man, I think, like you said, there's just so many unhealthy mixed messages that are being engraved in you at such a young age. Like I said, like as a, as a young man, and, and, I'm, and we've had this conversation before, mm -hmm. women will never understand for so many young men the unhealthy pressure society puts on them to be sexual. Like, even if you want to be monogamous, you know, and to be faithful and to be committed and to love one person, that there's so much, in reality, shame 
from your peers, from your brothers, your uncles, you know, your, all these guys who will begin to harass you for wanting those things. They begin to harass you for not wanting to go to the strip club or make fun of you for not wanting to look at pornography and stuff like that. Like, there's a real kind of black hole pull towards this hedonistic lifestyle that a lot of young men, I know for a fact, they're trapped in. And this is not really who they are, but there's this unhealthy societal pull. And I've also feel like for a lot of women that there's this unhealthy societal pull that in order to get any kind of male affection, you have to be hypersexual. And, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate, and a lot of people will say that it's true, but what, what for the women, I've seen that you have to understand the difference between attention and retention, right? Yeah. Like, you promoting yourself, sexually suggesting yourself may get attention, a million likes, a hundred thousand likes, whatever that may be, but to retain, to retain high-quality individuals who want to commit with you, you're sending out all the wrong signals. So like I said, I just think there's just so many unhealthy messages that these kids are raised on. And then when they become adults, it becomes their ideologies. That's right. And, you know, when we were we were talking a while back about consent, because yeah. that's a really hot issue. We're yeah. like, like, what is consent? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I can't help but think when, because I know it's true in my practice, when people come in, I always make note of what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was growing up and when I was dating before I got married, I noticed every, like, I noticed what men wore. I noticed what they looked like. I noticed how my girlfriends and I, you know, dressed when we were going out. Mm-hmm. That says something significant about you. Those things are all part of consent. Although they won't stand up in court. The intention you set when you go out, and if you're the guy looking at that, I can certainly see why you may feel, why any guy would feel, that's an encourager. Yeah. Like, that means she, she, wants, she wants me, she likes me. I, I get where the confusion is coming from. Yeah, and, and to make things clear, and what we're, we're not suggesting is that that's a license to do whatever right. you want. Right, exactly, there's, there's, never. There's never a license. Yes. That's not a reasoning. What, however somebody dressed, I remember this one because guy. Because you dress the way you want to express exactly, yourself. Exactly, And there's such a thing as wanting to feel and look sexy, yeah. but you're not doing that to get somebody to take exactly. you to a party and rape you. Yeah, of course, of course. So. And that's such a, a great point Like to segue into the conversation is that because there's not a real healthy education about consent or about sexuality, a lot of these things are misconstrued. A lot of men, unfortunately, it's a sad truth, and I hope no one's tuned out, but I want you guys to listen to this really carefully. A lot of men, due to... Un- healthy images presented to them in pornography oh. and in these different movies, they view the, they view a certain woman dressed in a certain way as she's sexually signaling to me. And we can get into the evolutionary biology, biology and all that stuff, but let's just, in all fairness, nobody has the right to touch anybody regardless of how they dress. It's, Absolutely. It's a, and But unfortunately, so many men, they view if she's dressed this way, I therefore have the right to touch her in a certain way. And and I'm be honest with you, we a lot of us were raised in that culture. Mm-hmm. We were raised in that culture where we, we just assume, oh, she wants this because she's dressed that way. I've you know? heard that said before. Yeah. And I it's so it just is so despicable yeah. that but I want I'm glad we're talking about it because 
Women and men need to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. These are the things when women say, I never said he could do any of that. I I, I don't even remember him asking. And then he comes back and he said, yes, you did. Mm -hmm. You wanted it. Well, that was not an excuse. He, no matter what, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah. But it's important that women hear and understand that how you dress will matter. N- and it shouldn't. Yeah, it, it should it. never it should be a license not. for anyone to do anything to you. But that would be an idealistic world. Exactly. And this is not an idealistic world. This is a real world. Yeah. And, and, and like, I know we have to continue to reiterate this mm-hmm. so nobody gets any type of right. wrong message. We're not saying that based upon how you dress, somebody has a license to assault you, to rape you, to touch you. We are not saying that at all. That is not the message we're communicating. Nobody has a right to touch anybody without their conscious consent. That's, let's make this 100% clear. And what Mary made a very interesting point that we that there has to be an honest conversation about male biology, that we definitely want to change this. We want to improve men. We want to make things better. And we want to make a healthier tomorrow for women. But the honest truth is that, unfortunately, you know, using the whatever, the lizard brain or whatever you want yeah. to call it, when a man sees a woman half naked, he is thinking sex. Mm-hmm. He is thinking that this woman is sexually su- suggesting herself. And I once heard that it goes back to like thousands of years ago, if a man was looking for a prostitute, right, just to simply mm-hmm. just engage with, she usually dresses in a certain manner to signal, I am selling this product, you know? So right. she's, she's wearing, unfortunately, Dave Chappelle said, like her uniform to signal, this is the work I'm in. So the men have... For years, realized she dresses in this way, she's like this. She dresses in this way, she's like this. And for some women, like you said, they're simply dressing however they feel. And you have complete authority and freedom to dress however you want. But you cannot deny that for some men, whether you disagree with this or not, it's just the reality of, the, of, of life. Some men will see that and then they will go ahead and then they will take advantage of that. So... Mary, so but you know, I do ahead. want to say this. Any time a woman is raped, or, yeah. or you know, one out of five women are um, have a have an assault, yeah. and you know that's probably higher for sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of women mm-hmm. being hurt by men. Mm-hmm. I think it will help if women become more direct, and before anything happens, they say up front. I don't want this. And you have to consciously say it out loud. You can't whisper it. You can't hint it. You have to say it out loud. And that means women are so sure in their own, in their own sensuality and who they are as a woman, which takes a lot of work. Okay. That they won't worry. This guy might reject me. Mm. And that's going to take a lot of education. That's going to take a lot of parenting, really good parenting, where parents talk about these things. Why do you feel worthless? Why do you feel like you don't have a right to say this to a man? 
most rapes have nothing to do with sex. Most rapes have to do with anger. Mm -hmm. A man is angry. Yeah. Men are still the number one perpetrator. We, although women have been known to rape, it's rare. Mm -hmm. and I, we need to say those facts because it's really important yeah. for, for our listeners. Yeah, and as I said, to, to really clarify so everybody understands, we are fully putting a responsibility on criminals for committing crime. Yes. Nobody is guilty for a crime that has been committed upon them, whether that's assault, whether that's physical or sexual, nobody's guilty of a crime yeah. that's been put upon them. You know, but like we're saying, we're we're trying to have a conversation and we move back to the original conversation, but to really help protect these women. Because what I've I've said is that there's monsters out there in this world. Unfortunately, mm. we talked about this with Mel. Shout out to Mel. We had a great conversation about consent mm -hmm. a couple, yeah. a couple of we, a oh, months okay. ago. It was a great okay. conversation. And I, and I said, there's monsters out here who will commit crimes, mm -hmm. no matter what we teach these men. Unfortunately, that's the truth. You tell people not to steal, they're going to steal. You tell people not to murder, they're going to murder. Unfortunately, as it goes to sexual assault as well, people are still going to commit crimes. So we want to be able to educate our daughters and our sisters and all these young women to be able to protect themselves, to be able to make things clear, whatever they can do. Because like you said, if there's a monster who wants to rape you, whether you're wearing a turtleneck or whether, whether you're wearing a thong, this monster is going to try to commit this atrocious act. Yeah. So, we, unfortunately, we can try to. We, we need to be proactive, jailing up these monsters, locking them away, putting them away. But we really need to encourage men and women to do whatever it takes to protect themselves and to be as safe as possible. Because, like you said, there's so many things that are people just have no idea. I once was having a conversation with this young lady who she unfortunately was raped and. Her biggest thing was she had no idea she could say no. And to what you said previously, one of her points was, you know, it was a guy she really liked. Yeah. And, when it, and so she felt like, I, I want him to like me, so therefore I don't want him to think I'm a B-word. You know, she said that. Yeah. And so I don't want to push him off or knock him off or say I'm not going to do this because he may not come over. Mm -hmm. so, like, so like I said, we need to create such healthy identities and strong men and women, and especially to protect our, our women, to, to create strong women, to let women be honest and upfront about their sexuality, to be able to say, you know what, hey, you can come over, but I'm letting you know right now, this, this is not going to happen. Right. Like, like you said, verbally communicating that because, like we said, a lot of men, they don't have that message. If you don't tell them, and we, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the men who you tell and they still go forward. Those are monsters. I'm saying for the average man, if you don't tell him and you, and you, and you say, can I come over? He's thinking you're suggesting that I want to engage in this behavior, it's, but you're really not. So you got to be clear about these things. Exactly. And, you know, men, uh, it wasn't many years ago, men used to call, say women who did those kinds of things, like would say, would you like to come over, but weren't clear about it, were teasers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't they were teasing. They didn't know you have to be direct. Yeah. I think also what's happening with men, besides the pressures that other men put on them, like, come on, you know, go get her or whatever, is um, guys are watching a lot of porn. And mm. we know that changes their brain chemistry. I have an office full of guys who are 23 years old trying to be in a real relationship, but their, their brains are so messed up with pornography. 
they can't get sexually excited with a real person. That's a catastrophe in life. When I think of what's really sad, I think that is terribly sad. Mm. That you are so messed up because all you all you've related to is pornography. And now when a real loving woman or loving partner comes to you, you can't get into it mm. because they don't change enough or they don't dress like that or they don't act like that. Mm. That's such a that's such a really good point. We touched on it a couple of episodes as well mm-hmm. with Gary Thomas. And it's it's like spending your whole life watching reality TV and thinking that's real life. I think that's yeah. how people really act. And what's so unfortunate about the, the negative aspect of pornography is that, like you said, a lot of men, a lot of men are, are unable to connect with real life women because they've been so damaged in regards to their neurons and all types of receptors because they've poisoned it with pornography. Mm-hmm. And that you said that's something you've seen in your practice consistently? Absolutely. It's, it's so, I mean, it's the big thing right now. It's, you know, these guys are young. They're under 25. Mm. And why do you think there's not more of a conversation about this in society? I think men are so limited with what they can say, what, who they can talk to, Hafiz. I, you know, I've thought about this a lot of times, like how could... How could our mentors make a difference? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing guys could start doing is they could start talking to other guys about their relationships. Like, what do you guys do? What do you find interesting? They could back each other up. You know, they could try and talk more instead of, you know, are you, know, are you getting any or the kind, you know, like if somebody breaks up with, you know, you're one of your friends Instead of saying, well, let's go out and, you know, get drunk, you just need another person. If they were really there for them and say, well, you want to go running or you want to just come hang out. Yeah, Mary, this seems like... You know, like, let's go have dinner, eat healthy. Sorry for cutting you off, but I guess this seems like really mature conversations for the average 20-year-old. Do you you feel that way? I feel like the, the problem is that just like... Let alone get a forty-year-old to have that conversation. Yeah. How do you how do you get young adults in their twenties to talk about these things? I think it, a lot of it will come from our dads. Mm. I think we can we are changing the fathers mm. of of girls and boys and getting them to start stepping up to the plate and really getting involved. Mm-hmm. And rather than pushing their sons to be a man to buck up, quit being a wuss. Mm-hmm. We start encouraging them by saying, you know, how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's 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 a good point. I think the, the, the unfortunate truth about that is a lot of people just don't have dads. A lot of people are raised in an environment which, you know, fathers are just, just secondary things that can be replaced. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that good quality mentorship it's, or somebody to establish that really healthy foundation. Because one of the other things that I was thinking about was that for a lot of men, they don't really know how to help in a healthy way interact with women. Like, yeah. like a lot of the job of a great dad is to communicate these things to you and let you know, here's a healthy way to interact with women. Most people, all they know is in pornography, you know, the, the nurse coming over, you know, you know, plumbers coming over and all that crazy yeah. stuff. And they don't really know how to really interact with somebody of the opposite sex. And something I was really interested in, in at picking your brain about was I've noticed that for a lot of men, they misconstrue 
kindness for sexual signaling. You know, they, they, they misconstrue a woman who's simply being kind and friendly and warm to them for she wants to have sex with me. Have you seen that as well? I have seen that, and I, I'm so perplexed by that. Yeah. I, I've had people who all my life have said things like they, they thought I was really into them when I absolutely was not. Mm. I was just, I'm just one of those people who I like to be kind to other people. Yes, you are. And I think when you're like that with men, you have to be careful. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to change that part of myself because yeah. of some guy suggesting that's a come on to them. Yeah. And it makes me wonder how they were raised. Mm. Because I you know, I'm my therapy basically everything comes from the home. Yeah. I mean your first impression of how to love an opposite sex person is watching your parents mm. if you're lucky enough to have two parents. Yeah. So if you see your mom and dad, you can imagine the impact it would have. If you saw your mom and dad talking about things and relating well, how much that could be, how, how, what an advantage that could be for you going forward. And when we talk about broken homes and what kids learn, that means somehow we have to start these conversations so we can talk about it. And rather than someone getting mad with something they hear on here, getting curious. Let's encourage curiosity. Ask us, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about it. And then if you say, well, that doesn't make any sense, then I could say, tell me where you come from. Yeah. Tell me about your parents. Tell yeah. me what you grew up like. Yeah. I'll find out a lot more about the person that way. I think um, going back to your suggestions, like what are, what are the signals people are putting off? I think if most women were had to only um, do things that men considered asexual so they could be safe, women would basically sit in the house all day <laughs> or may, perhaps wear a burqa. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, there is, there is no other way. Yeah. Because men, will, men who are looking for sex and want sex and feel entitled to sex will find a way to see something you do as a come on. Mm. No, that, and, that's such a, and that's a really good point. And it's something I'm telling you, I, I think a, when we have this conversation with consent and all these different things, there's something that a lot of guys just don't know. Because a, a lot of guys, because the movies and the TV shows yes. and, all, and all this stuff gives you this idea that if she's, hey, how's it going? Smiling at you, maybe give you a little bit of a pat on the shoulder, you right. know, like you, they get all these really unhealthy signals. And I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, shout out Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan was talking about, he said, it's funny because if you're a man and another guy walks in the room and waves at you or smiles or something, you know, fairly kind, it, you don't think two things of, oh, hey, how's it going, bud? And if a woman does the same exact thing to you, they ain't like, oh, she wants to, you know, she was trying to get come over, you know, like you, yeah. you automatically presume all these things just because of her gender. Exactly. Yeah. And we see it all the time. And some of that is just healthy chemistry. It's just healthy unless you act on it. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care what uh, people don't come in for therapy because of what they're thinking. Yeah. They come in by, because of what they've done mm. and how they've how it's created a big 
um, catastrophic situation in their relationship. Yeah, no, no, that that's that's really good, and uh, I think moving with consent. Though I still am going to go back that the most important thing, and whether you're parents of a child and you're listening to this, how can you teach your kids about the importance of consent, or whether you're on a date and you want to know, I t- I say ask for everything. What do you if mean by you're that? the guy, you ask if you can hold her hand. You ask okay. if you could, because I am telling you, there are guys, <laughs> there are guys yeah. who are getting um, labeled yeah. as sex offenders, and and they they really should not be on that board or on that list. So you're saying for so your thing is for the for your protection for your protection and just to be like an innovative person yeah. going forward in this sexual milieu of mm, relationships. That's really good. Ask for everything. Don't ever assume that a signal you see is a come on. You are not allowed to do that. Yeah. And nor should you. Yeah. If you say, can I kiss you goodnight? That's fantastic. Mm. She might kind of say it's weird, but you know what? It's worth it. Yeah, and what, I, and what I've realized is, is that a lot of this is a byproduct of rules of recreational casual sex. Exactly. And like I said, if you're if you get to know somebody on a deep intimate level, you build a healthy friendship, you build a healthy communication, you guys are really good had a really good healthy relationship, what's going to happen is as like you said with, with a healthy marriage I'm pretty sure your husband's not asking you to hold your hand. Right. He doesn't have to anymore. Yeah, yeah. He sees my signals yeah. and and they still hold true. Yeah. And he so and he knows. Yeah. I wouldn't want him to ask yeah. me all the time. But if you're teaching your children or you're trying to protect yourself, which yeah. you should if you're gonna have recreational sex, yeah. you better protect yourself on all and, levels. Yeah, and that's and that's what I've noticed is like that's a byproduct of what you're saying, these, these in, my, in our opinion, these unhealthy behaviors. You can yep. argue it whether you want. It's our personal opinions. Because what is what is really, really happening when you're engaging in this kind of behavior is that what I've learned is a lot of guys and women, what they do is they simply do to the next partner what they did to the previous partner. And you don't understand that what is okay for person A might not be okay for person B. Like, I, I remember one time, like, I'm not talking about me. <laughs> I'm not talking about me in case anybody was wondering. Yeah. But I remember one time this one person <laughs> was dating a girl and, you know, he just went in to kiss her and she liked that. You know, mm-hmm. the girl, we went in, she liked that. It's cool. Then you date the next girl, you go in to kiss her, she, you know, pushes back like, whoa, what are you doing? Well, ask me, right? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'm asking, you know, ask. Then you date the next girl and you ask her and she's like, you didn't see I was signaling this whole time. So it's it's what ends up happening is when you're just recreational dating, you don't really begin to get to know somebody on a deep, intimate level. You don't really get to know their tendencies and what they care about, how they feel. And then you begin to make passes on them that are unhealthy for them. But because you just don't know them, you didn't take the time to build this intimate relationship with them, you begin to do things that are hurtful for this individual. Exactly. And when you're intimate, like when you're really intimate about sex and with each other, you take your time, you're really together. Sex is something special to the two of you. There's more of this time where you're just talking. Yeah. Where you're finding out about each other. How did you feel 
when I held your hand? How did you feel when I leaned in to kiss you? And you get an idea of what's, you know, what's their values, what, what's important to them. How do they love? Mm-hmm. And this is what deepens a good relationship, mm. which is what we're, you and I are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's about taking the recreation out of sex. It was never meant to be that. Maybe after you're married and you have five kids, <laughs> then you have to make it recreational. Yeah, 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 like yeah, if yeah. we don't make it recreational, yeah. it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That's different. Yeah. You're already committed on so many other levels and you guys know each other. Mm. That's that's really good. So, you know, I've been on my best behavior. <laughs> I've I've done a lot of Pro-women conversations, but yeah. as we know, you know, I'm for the fellas, and we got to talk to the, about some issues that men are currently going through. Have you heard of a term called hypergamy? Yes, I have. So for the people who don't know what this word means, it simply means that it's a term used to speak to women, and, they, and it's the idea that women are sexually attracted to people based upon status, wealth, and social hierarchies and all that kind of stuff. And so, do you personally believe that hypergamy is a real thing when it comes to women? I um, I think with some women. Yeah. I would be really afraid to say all women. Yeah. But I will say that women, when they look at what women want um, from a man... They basically want a stable person who can provide for a family. And that's biological. I mean, Mm. that is why you're, that's what women look for if you take everything else away. Now, when you go out on, you know, like girls' nights, they'll tell you other things they're looking for. But the bottom line is most of the people who meet someone on a dating app and they end up with them, none of the things, like hyperbole, are, is that any part of it. Mm. So um, if it's someone they're going to end up married to, it's a little bit different. Mm. Then I believe that it matters more. Mm. So, because what I've, I've heard from a lot of men is that, you know, there's not a lot of respect or a high sexual marketplace value to use some of the words these guys use on the internet for men who are of lower status because so many women only care about status when it comes to like building relationships and connecting with, with men. I think you're going to see that more with women who aren't educated and are looking for um, maybe things that they like more in the materialistic world. I think when, you know, all these different stats are divided with education level, and this is something we're studying more and more. I mean, I, I can tell you among my, co- my single colleagues, and I work in the medical center too, among the female physicians, it's completely different. So many of their partners are mechanics, are social workers. They... They're a whole different, not that social workers aren't professionals, but it's a very different monetary level than they are. And they're higher. Mm. They, they chose professions that were going to make much more or accrue more wealth than their partner did. Mm. And they have a different social group because of that. Mm. They, they basically, when they do things as a couple, the 
if you're included in that, it's really interesting because that's where the couple really has had to work to join those two socioeconomic levels. Wow, that's interesting. And I, and I think what's just really remarkable about the conversation that we have mm-hmm. is that a lot of these stereotypes, a lot of these different things that are communicated are not always true. And sometimes it may just be per- someone's personal subjective experience, but a lot of people, they, they make those things. They make those general statements for all women want money and all women care about this. Like, but these are, these are true for some, you know, maybe most, but right. it's not true for all. And well, it's- and it's, you know, all these stereotypes yeah. have maybe one piece or one thread of possible truth. Mm-hmm. But they, because of that, you know, studies have shown that if there's even a speck of truth, yeah. people who want to believe that will believe that. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, if you're a blue-collar working, worker working really hard, a really good guy, and you put yourself out there and you don't get as many, you know, as many dates or as nice a women as somebody else who owns you know, Mercedes Benz, you'll start going, well, you know, it's because he makes more money, but it's much more than that. It's the people he talks to. It's the way he dresses. It's his confidence, Mm. how he presents himself. And those things all get thrown into the batch. If you are a blue collar worker with a really good ethical, um, moral upbringing, your integrity is high, you dress nice, you are consistent, you are there, you are fun. I can tell you, you can get most anybody. And that's a good point. And it's, it's the holistic person. And this conversation, to me, is beginning to go always go back to the holistic person. It's you yourself developing as a holistic person. And that's what's really going to help benefit you in life. And, exactly. And, and that's something that you and I are really, really obsessed with. We're obsessed with people becoming healthier, holistic people because... And we can go back to all the conversations we just had. You know, if you're healthy and you're satisfied in your life and you're mature and you have a healthy relationship, you're not going to want to cheat. You're not going to want to go outside of this beautiful intimate relationship that you've created. If you're a young woman or you're a young man who has identity, you're not going to use sex to find your value. You're not going to manipulate people to make yourself feel better. You know, if you're a man who knows that, you know, has morals and is respectful and kind. You're not going to take advantage of women. You're not going to, you know, do all these evil things. So what it seems is though, it's always going back to your identity and finding value and loving yourself and knowing who you are and being a high character individual. Absolutely. You know, I I keep going back to this because I really like it. No matter what you endure in life, no matter what you go through, whether somebody dumps you, takes advantage of you, screws you, whatever, Mm. you will make it through and you will do well if you remind yourself, listen, I was a whole person before this ever happened to me and I will return to whole person. Don't ever give all of your personal power to anyone. Mm -hmm. The minute you do that, you become a victim to yourself and to them. All of a sudden, you're trying to please them. You're trying to look a part that you aren't. Don't be something you're not. And unfortunately, if you've got a, a you know more than a thousand followers, there's a high chance that you're like that. Mm. So be careful when you're on social media. You know, take the filters off. Be who you are. Mm. It's much more exciting and much more interesting than looking at someone filtered and 
carrying a handbag mm. that what in the heck does <laughs> it even mean? You know? Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's such a good point. And and I think that's something that we just we want to keep on hammering and we want the people to really understand. Like, man, this we always say this show is a behind the scenes of becoming. Everybody's on a journey of becoming, whether you're five or 99, everyone's on a journey to becoming who God made them to be. And the beautiful part about life is when you really, really find out who you are, Mm -hmm. when you really begin to love, appreciate, and value yourself. Because a lot of these things that have hurt us in our past, a lot of those things, not all of those things, but for some, I'm not going to go a lot because people will attack me. For some of these things that have caused us pain in our past, are byproducts of us us not valuing ourselves enough, us allowing people to take advantage of us, to manipulate us, uh, us allowing society to put these unhealthy ideas about sexuality and masculinity and femininity and all these things. And it's up to us to really go on this journey, to find our value, to move forward, going back to the whole person, like you said, yes. that we once were at the beginning of a lot of this pain and heartbreak. Absolutely. You know, one thing I'm real excited about, and I it's off topic here, yeah, but it, it isn't really because it goes back to the whole idea that, you know, there's a brilliance in us and mm-hmm. you and I both cre- both align on the sense that it's our creators. Yeah. And last week I was invited to go on Dr. Oz. That's there's awesome. going to be a Dr. Oz special at Thanksgiving. And it's all about what happens when we die. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it would make a great podcast, too, because, you know, this isn't where, I mean, you're going to die here in lieu of going on another journey yeah. that's going to be in the life after. And I know there is that life out there. Yeah. I know what we do here matters. Mm-hmm. So I hope when your listeners start, you know, listening and talking, that they will come back to that and stay curious and and invite discussion mm-hmm. rather than, you know, you can get mad. You d- you can get defensive with anything you hear yeah. um, while you're listening. But it's important that you circle back because we're a community. Yeah. And, um, and that's how we all learn and grow. That's amazing. So, Mary Jo, let's go ahead. And I want to be respectful of your time. I think this message is really powerful and impactful. I'm really interested to hear in the conversation about mm-hmm. this moving forward. So, for the young men, for the young women who have been engaged in recreational sex, you know, they're, they're empty, they're miserable, they're frustrated, they're just confused, they're hurting. What is the message that you have for them to be able to move forward, to, to have more satisfied, fulfilled lives? Well, I think the number one thing is to be aware that this lifestyle you have is, is a problem mm-hmm. and to start reinvesting in yourself rather than going out and getting laid go out and do something new. <laughs> you know, make a change. Read a book. <laughs> Once a week, well, you know, reading a book is hard for some because many people who act out like this have learning problems too or they, you know, they never felt like they were good in education or mm. reading. But you can take a class. You There's all kinds of classes that, you know, like are free to take. You can start look at going to the museums. You can start going to art galleries. Start doing something. It's nice to invite someone with you, but just leave sex out of the equation. Because remember, in order to bring sex back to the sacred place it belongs, you do have to fight that battle of, of abstinence or not, you know, not cold turkey abstinence, but you have to make an internal decision. It's a self-disciplined decision. I am not going to use sex as a 
as a vice anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use my mind. I'm going to fulfill some things that I find interesting in life. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Mary. And like and like Mary said, guys, we're we're not looking down upon anybody. We're not condemning anybody. We're not here to shame anybody. We're simply here to shed light to an issue that we have seen in our own personal experiences have been something that's been hurting a lot of people. And the point of this show is to add value, to transform lives, to see people helped. And if you're somebody who's saying, you know what, I disagree with what you guys said. I'm doing whatever I want. I'm happy. Unfortunately, live your life. You have the freedom to do so under, under God's earth. But mm-hmm. like I said, we're just here to help. We're here to speak life. And if anything you disagree with, anything you want to talk more about, please reach out to us. Please reach out to Mary. Because like I said, we're just really big on helping people. That's all we care about and creating satisfied and fulfilled lives. I love that. Yeah. I, I feel really good here. And yeah. I, I hope some people do react and some people will reach out and discuss it because yeah. this is where it starts. Mm. We can all be better. That's awesome. So Mary, where can they reach out to you? Where, where's a great place for them to connect with you at? The best place is to go to my website. It's maryjoerapini.com. I'm on Twitter at Mary jo Rapini, And I'm also on Instagram at Mary jo Rapini. So I have, you know, YouTubes you can um, subscribe to and they're really helpful. And I like to be everybody's um, therapist that they have that has their back. Like basically it's expensive to go to therapy, but you can always... Um, leave a comment on Hafiz's podcast, The Roommates. And you can also always get in touch with me with an email. So um, it all works. And I won't be able to give you counseling um, with your comments, but I sure can help you get in the right direction. That's awesome, Mary. Thank yeah. you so much for your thank beautiful you. heart. And thank you so much for your willingness to always come here and to provide value and substance to our listeners' lives. I love it. Uh, I just think this is a fantastic platform. I tell you, you're president. <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day. So as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is your boy, Hafiz, and we are joined by... Mary Jo Rapini. And we are the roommates, guys. Please be sure to reach out to Mary Jo. Let her know what about the podcast stood up to you guys, stood out to you. Please, please, please continue to connect and to share these messages. Like I said, guys, we're creating a community of people who are going to be healthy, who are going to have great purpose, who are going to have great community, and who are going to have joy and peace in their lives. So we want to be able to help you guys. And remember, guys, we're always here for you. Please reach out to Mary. Please reach out to us. We're the roommates and adios. Adios. (laughs)